Welcome to Cups and Cakes Presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you're about to hear originally aired April 23rd, 2017 on episode 83 of the Cups and Cakes podcast. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at www.cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Artist Studio. I'm Marvin Greensboro, and joining me tonight, Century Palm. Rising up from the ashes of the ketamines, Century Palm exploded onto the Canadian music scene with their release of two incredible EPs. Recently, the band has released the debut LP entitled Meet You through Deranged Records. Their sound is tough to define. Throw everything from post-punk, new wave, and kraut rock into a blender. Top it off with their own special sauce, and you get the best description of Me Too that I can come up with. The album's impressive sonic output is confident and catchy, solidifying Century Palm as one of Toronto's most exciting bands. All right, well, welcome to Cups and Cakes. Why don't we start by uh, putting some names to voices? Tell me who you are and what you play. Hey, I'm uh, Paul Lawton. I play bass and I sing. Andrew, guitar and singing. Penny, synth and guitar. And I'm Jesse and I play drums. Perfect. Let's start at the beginning. How did you all come together to form Century Palm after the ketamine's demise? Century Palm kind of started after a, a long tour that we did as ketamine's and Zebra's Ears. So ketamine's was more my project and Zebra's Ears was Andrew's project. And we had four people playing as two different bands and then that tour was long and torturous and kind of blew up the band pretty quickly after the tour. We Ketamines continued on with some different lineups, but uh, then Andrew kind of started Century Palm. Yeah, well, this this tour is pretty similar to the last one, but we, we made some changes so that we wouldn't break up the band after, hopefully, and yeah. I think that's, that's uh, going as planned. We've been staying with more family members than uh, random promoters this time, so no black mold laced roofs and uh, drug dealers at three in the morning yeah this time it's been more you know tim hortons a little friendlier it's been a real tim hortons tour yeah yeah so i I started century palm just as a recording project and i just wanted to keep it low-key like that but but here we are full canada tour almost andrew gets me involved and it just yeah it just stops being a (laughs) it doesn't get laid doesn't get laid back anymore (laughs) yeah we get offered one show and then paul's like oh can we tack five more on (laughs) how does the band's dynamic of century palm differ from the ketamines i think that that's a big part of it just taking on things at a better pace that we can handle on in a better way i don't know i i didn't write songs for ketamine so this one it's more of a continuation of zebra's ears where i'm writing songs and and paul's writing songs too Ketamines was not really a democracy as much. Uh, I kind of pretended it was more, but it was like I tried to like, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and uh, Century Palm kind of operates more egalitarian throughout. It's a little nicer for everyone involved, I think. That's personal dynamics. Uh, if you want to talk about sonic dynamics, I think we're doing some things differently too. We're kind of taking the wire approach, like what can we strip away instead of adding a million layers to all the songs? We're actually trying to be more minimal and kind of be more effective with less 
Well, speaking of sounds, your debut Meet You has tons of different sounds and influences, but uh, New Wave and Post-Punk are the most recognizable. What gravitated Century Palm towards these uh, musical eras? I don't know the reason, but that's just the music I like the most, especially like Gary Newman. When I first heard him, or really kind of paid attention to him, it it wasn't too long ago, but it was in a... We're driving, and uh, I heard cars on the radio, and I'm like, oh, this is actually a really weird pop song, like, compared to all the rest of them, and I looked further into it and got into that whole Gary Newman world, and, uh, yeah, just went from there. Um, It seemed like you were really building songs around the synth parts, Andrew, am I remembering that right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, synth was, like, the, the main feature. I think the most interesting part for the songwriting for me. I think it also, we stopped trying to like chase a trend or a scene and started trying to do stuff more in line with the kind of our, our own personal tastes as opposed to trying to fit in with other bands in Toronto, especially. We kind of really like went our own way a little bit. And I think that that's helped us and maybe hurt us too at the same time. Yeah. There was a recent review of us where we were described as music geeks by a, a French writer, yeah. and I actually think that's pretty accurate. We listen to lots of music all the time. We've been taking a list of all the albums we've listened to on this tour, and like we were going through the entire New Order catalog, and Morrissey, and The Smiths, and uh, yeah, we're just like listening to tons of stuff. The first stop in every city is always the record store. Except for Calgary, I guess we stopped at the uh, hot dog, tubby dog first, but then it's the record just, store. Just because we were hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're definitely geeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to be geekier. I, I used to not collect records at all, but I'm getting more into it. I don't know the names of any like band members and any of the bands I like, so, but I'll get there. Well, can you give us a little insight into making this record? I hear it was a bit of a lengthy process. Yeah, we we had previously been recording at Royal Mountain Studios, uh, which is uh, Colorado's studio. Uh, we're working with a guy, Niles. Uh, how do you wait? Niles, Niles Masishik. Masishik, thank you. We were going into a professional studio and and trying to like capture a little more of like a slick energy, and then. Uh, we moved into a studio on the east end of Toronto, which was right across the street from my place. So all of a sudden we had time and a space that we could record where there wasn't a million other bands playing spaces at a premium in Toronto. So um, having a place where there was just silence at all times and we could work as late as we want to, it allowed us to kind of like experiment and really try things and re-record songs when we weren't happy with them and so that's why it was lengthy it wasn't lengthy kind of on purpose it just was lengthy because we had no we weren't paying anyone to like sit and record us and then we gave all our tracks over to jay arner in vancouver who's put out a couple amazing records in the last few years and was on mint records with uh jesse and penny's other band tough age it allowed me to not focus on the mixing which usually makes me crazy and instead just like we're just gonna lay it we're just gonna record a bunch of stuff and then work with jay to make it into more of a pop record and well uh, that that was the other part was i went on tour with tough age for about a month in the middle of recording so we did about half those songs before i left and then the other half when i got back so it yep. kind of got longer because penny kind of came back and was like oh what are all these songs <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of fun well, lyrically, this album seems to have a reoccurring theme running through it. Could you tell us a little bit about the content? Uh, sure, I think uh, Paul and I take the same similar topic, but different takes on it. And just be feeling alienated for whatever reason. 
for me, I guess a lot of it is just going through life changes uh, as you get older and just having experiencing big life changes when, when you're like, I don't think this is what I should be doing. I'm going to turn my life upside down and do something uh, not totally different, but very different. And also just for sort of lifelong alienation from being an, in an introvert and just not feeling like you're a part of uh, the rest of humanity. <laughs> and uh, for Paul, it's he's uh, extroverted, but it's you know he still has that alienation. Different we all get form, it. Different kind. <laughs> I think it was like moving to uh, from the prairies. I'd moved to Toronto four years ago, kind of after the ketamines was going really hard, and um, moving were from a place where 2011 I was on the cover of Fast Forward magazine three different times, and you feel this like real ceiling. It was like, oh, here's my band, and then here's this tour that I was doing, and all all this stuff, and then you switch gears and become just sucked into this giant city which is on purpose because there's a there's a point where you can't do a whole lot you hit a wall and so my kind of ex like feelings of frustration of not of being anonymous i think which i struggled with for a while um but then i think the process of like making these songs kind of exercised a lot of those demons so i think our next record will be like Super posy, and <laughs> our next record is gonna be like a love letter to Toronto, probably. Yeah, like, yeah. Paul yeah. loves the Raptors. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like obsessed with Toronto now. I love it so much. Yeah, so it was made during a bad year of my life, but now I'm in a good place. So it's almost like old, old news talking about not, <laughs> not not being happy. We don't actually so right now. I'm pretty pretty excited. And, and like Toronto's <laughs> been really accepting of this record in our band, so. I don't really necessarily even feel as alienated anymore. Like, I feel like we have a niche, we have like a home, and I can't imagine moving anytime soon. Like, it's just good. So, yeah, it's a long way to answer that question, but. Yeah, problem solved. I mean, that's what people said about the King of John Street video. They're like, oh, this looks like a skit from Kids in the Hall. Like, it's yeah. like you just love Toronto. Yeah, we're not sick of it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like walk down the street, John Street, which is like, you guys are from around here, you know, like much music, right? And so you grow up in the prairies watching much music and you see Queen and John all the time. And it seems like the center of the universe where all the cool bands are hanging out and the culture's there. And then all of a sudden, there I was every morning walking down John Street to go to work. And it was like weird for me for a while. I was like, what is this place? Like, how am I even here? And uh, the year that I worked there, uh, it was like the polar vortex in Toronto. And it was kind of awful, but it meant that all of the streets were kind of always deserted in the morning because it was so cold. And I just was like, oh, this is so much different than what I imagined it being through media. So I don't know. I just, I just love it now. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very up on Toronto. All right. Now here at Cups and Cakes, we don't just want to grill you about your music. We want to get to know you as individuals as well. So we have put together a group of carefully crafted questions in the second half of the interview. Let's start with you, Paul, and work our way around. Cool. What album sparked your love of music? Either Wham, Make It Big, or the first Culture Club record. My mom was uh, an aerobics instructor, so we had a lot of 80s dance kind of music around the house. Enya Orinoco Flow is uh, one of the, the ones that I got into and got me into music as an eight-year-old. The Beatles, Neil Young, Sloan, Sex Pistols. I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, for me, it was Beastie Boys' Hello Nasty. I remember buying that cassette the day it came out and just being obsessed with it. Yeah. I think the Beastie choice. Boys were, like, huge for me as a little kid. Well, what's your uh, current musical obsession? Uh, this band Dumb that we saw in Vancouver. We just played with them. Incredible, like, wire devo worship. Just, like, the perfect kind of band in 2017. They were my favorite thing I've seen on this tour, and everyone should check that band out. Uh, Fountain, for sure, in Montreal. Recently moved from Victoria. Incredible band. Uh, I'm a Sudbury guy myself. I like uh, Strange Attractor and McFutures. I will answer this, but it's not a popular response from my band, but uh, I'm really into the new Drake, More Life playlist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been, one song. <laughs> I, but just one song, Passion Fruit, which we've listened to in the van a thousand times, so... It's a really good song. I'm with you. All right, what's your favorite meal? Pizza. Uh, you know, healthy stuff. It makes me feel good. Pasta. Burrito with black bean and guacamole. How do you take your coffee? Two cream, one sugar. Just a little bit of sugar to take the edge off. A lot of milk. One cream, one sugar. Alcohol or marijuana? Marijuana. Alcohol, it's just easier to get for me. Alcohol. Yeah, whiskey. What's the best thing to happen to you on stage? People listening. Yeah, I don't know, our Vancouver show. That was the best thing to happen to me on stage. Uh, one time it was my birthday, and my friend made me a ton of cupcakes, and that was awesome. Oh, also, you got proposed to on stage once. No, that was before the show. Oh, is that right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. It was, like, right after, but, it, like, but Jared announced the proposal, like, guess what, we're getting married. Yeah, he didn't mean to mention it, but <laughs> I guess it was on his mind. <laughs> One time my old band Sudden Infant Dance Syndrome were playing the show in a community center and at the end of the set, kids just tore my drum kit apart and like took pieces of it and started banging on. Like one kid had a cymbal in his hand, one kid had a snare and was just playing that. It turned into like this tam-tam drum circle punk thing and that was really funny. What's the worst thing to happen? I was in a uh, pop punk band in the 90s and in Tabor, Alberta, someone lit my pants on fire while I was playing. My legs started feeling hot and I looked down and my leg was fully engulfed in flames. And I had to like, like I panicked and threw my bass down and took my pants off in front of an, like about 400 kids in an auditorium gym. And uh, everything stopped and I got the fire then everybody laughed. So that's by far the worst thing to ever happen to me. I think that wins is our worst story <laughs> of all time, actually. Uh, I played one show where it was after a play had finished, so it was a weird kind of idea. Ever All these like people who do not want to see a band are subjected to a band, and we just watched a whole bleacher file out of the room, and there was nobody, like zero people. <laughs> our two friends stayed. That was it. We played at a bar that did like way too many events per night. They did about three during our show and they came and asked us to put two songs into our set if we could stop playing until after the game of thrones viewing upstairs was finished <laughs> yeah I, I was also in that band with penny and uh, was <laughs> that was the worst that was like the lowest of the low actually <laughs> like uh they can't hear the television can you guys stop playing music <laughs> but then they gave us free yam fries <laughs> that was our hit what's the strangest job you've ever had 
I was a karaoke DJ in a kid's uh, fun park in an indoor mall in Lethbridge, Alberta. And I ran a booth where people could go record a single of themselves, like singing whatever karaoke jam, and then they would get a single afterwards with them singing the song. And I got fired from that job after a month because I went on break and I was playing, uh, it was like a teen night. So I was playing the first Propagandi album and it skipped forward and uh, the there's like hidden tracks on them which is just propaganda members going fuck 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 so i was on break and all of a sudden everybody was yelling outside because there was this just people swearing over the intercom and i got marched out of Funland. it's a hard one to follow <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just sold frozen pizzas door to door for uh <laughs> for three bucks a pop and people were like Usually, like door-to-door sales, people get, you know, not a good reception, but people are like, you have a what in your cooler? <laughs> it's like, yeah, frozen pizzas for three bucks. And they're like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially people that were on weed. They were, they were like, I was like sent from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you mean you have pizza in that yeah. cooler right now? For three dollars? <laughs> <laughs> and you have it with you right now? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just do that on your own or... No, it's with a, a sketchy company. Oh, okay. <laughs> None of my jobs have been that weird. Uh, I worked at a bookstore one time where we weren't allowed to read. So it, I'm surrounded by books and I just have to sit at this chair. <laughs> it was very torturous. <laughs> this is pre-smartphones. Uh, so just sitting there, eight hours at a time. That was a bad job. All right, Beatles or the Stones? Beatles. The Stones. Beatles. Yoko Ono. What was your first car? Uh, 1985 Toyota Corolla. I don't know what year Volkswagen bad car. I don't know a car. <laughs> uh, Oldsmobile 88. It was like a silver boat car. Sweet. <laughs> took so much gas to fill up. It was like $60 <laughs> to fill up this car. Best Canadian city to play. Oh, Ottawa. Ottawa is easily the best city to play. Uh, it depends on the night. They can be good. They can be bad. Anywhere. Ottawa. On this tour, it was definitely Vancouver. Our Vancouver show was incredible. We played like 300 people. A bunch of great bands, but usually Ottawa. What's the worst? Uh, that's a hard one to answer without anyone being offended. <laughs> uh, generally, like even though I love the people there, I hate playing Montreal. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to pick one. Uh, well, I remember we played a show in Windsor one time and no one came and you were playing with your backs to the, the bar window that went out to the street and some guy was full on making fun of the bands playing to his girlfriend <laughs> during the whole set and just like, oh, that was not cool. But maybe it would be better if we went back. Last summer, we went on tour to the Maritimes. We played in St. John, New Brunswick, and our clothing bags were stolen from our car during the show. So that was a downer. Um, we like went around the neighborhood trying to find them the next day and no dice. So we had to go to a value village and like buy new clothes. Yeah, and the show's at a weird karaoke bar that no one came to. I feel like everyone there really means well and like the people that put us up were awesome. The promoter was awesome. But also we've had good sh- we had a good show there like 2 years before that. that yeah, was, like, we played amazing. there on we played there on a Tuesday the year like 2 years before and it was awesome. And then we went back on a Wednesday and it was like us and no one came. Yeah, so I want to give a shout out to Judd Crandall like yeah, for Judd really Rules. being great. But that night last summer sucked. <laughs> 
What's something everybody needs to shut up about? Maybe just like Trump conversations in general, like with family members. I think just like don't go there. Yeah, or just I, th- I think making fun of stuff that makes other people happy. And you're like, oh, you know what sucks is when people like this and it doesn't affect me at all. But I wouldn't, I don't like it. My immediate go-to was like people talking about how social media is bad because social media is amazing and we wouldn't have half the success we've had and we wouldn't be doing half the things we were doing without it. So I I personally love like Twitter and Facebook and people are always so hard on it. I don't understand it. And to me, it seems very um, pretentious to be like, uh, I'm so, I don't want to see what you have for breakfast, which is like, just very like, more like anti-social media. Yeah, exactly. The black mirror conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm kind of tired of that too. Yeah. Maybe like selling out. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, man. We're all just doing our best. <laughs> I want to actually, Paul had a cable access show in Lethbridge when he was a teenager. It was called DIY. And the first conversation they have on the show is about like, how much would you sell out for, man? <laughs> and it was kind of funny just to see like, Paul is still having these same conversations. <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah. They chose a million dollars. I think the, the bar is getting lower and lower. <laughs> What's the best road trip album? Oh, uh, it's the song My Sweet Lord by uh, George Harrison. Not the album, just that song on repeat. It's perfect for any road trip. Yeah, I think any Noi is good to listen to. It's just got like that highway beat to it. It feels, it feels like it was just made for driving. It works. We drove from Victoria to Revelstoke the other night, and it was like a very late night mountain drive. And we put on the album Clear by Cybotron, and the song Cosmic Cars specifically, and that was really perfect for the situation. Just like proto sci-fi techno, while we were winding through the mountains with no lights and single lane highway and giant trucks passing us, that was that really fit the mood. I think Eddie Curran's Depression Ring is really good for driving. All right, best album to have sex to? Um, any. Yeah, I I usually do it in silence. (laughs) (laughs) That's my preference as well. Uh, Jingle cats. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you could have sex with any musician, dead or alive, guy or girl, who would it be? Penny, you can take this one. Uh, That would be my husband, Jarrett, who I am in the band Tough Age with. Uh, I'd say Mozart, because then at parties you'd be like, guess what? (laughs) I had sex with Mozart. People would be like, what? (laughs) But it would be true. Yeah, uh, John John Popper from Blues Traveler. Because then at a party you'd be like, guess what? (laughs) Same. That would be the weirdest night of all time. <laughs> I had sex with John Popper. <laughs> you will never guess what happened last night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. You have to edit that down. <sighs> you could tell we've been in a van together for two weeks. Yeah. All right, if you could get wasted with any musician, dead or alive, who would it be and what substance would you abuse? Jerry, man. Uh, Jerry Garcia, and uh, we would just have drinks. You would eat some Cherry Garcia with Jerry Garcia? <laughs> yeah, that would rule. <laughs> 
Jerry Garcia would be a cool guy to get down with, though, right? As long as uh, Wavy man. Gravy was there and he could like lead you to the ice cream. Who's the drummer again? Uh, Pigpen. Pigpen. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Jerry and Pigpen. Up in the great gig in the sky. Yeah, I would just get blazed with the dead. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, do shrooms with uh, Tiny Tim, I think. Probably be extra weird. I don't know. I might drink a couple beers with Mud Honey, or maybe we could just have tea. All right, if you could fight any musician, dead or alive, who would it be? Yeah, I played with this one band at the townhouse a long, long time ago, and I think I think they got a, a good rating on Pitchfork back when I I didn't even know what Pitchfork was, and I, I think it went to their heads pretty big, and they thought they were a big deal, and they got to the townhouse and claimed all the beds for themselves in the basement, and then uh, and then we got locked out of the sleeping quarters, and we just had to sleep in the van with our uh, ignition turned on. We just we just hated that band ever since. You remember what band that was? Yeah, I'm I'm dying to know. I've never the heard paper that cranes. Oh, the paper cranes. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of remember them. Yeah, well, jokes on them. Where are they now? <laughs> well, they're not the famous, are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we well, got down to the last question here. It's an important one. If you just found out you were the last person alive on Earth, what's the first thing you'd do? Uh kill myself. Super, super heavy. <laughs> wow, Paul. What's the point, man? I'd, I'd think it was like uh, liberating and be like, wow, I could, this is great. Well, have you ever seen that show? Do whatever Last I want now. Earth? Like they would, those guys all went crazy at first. Like there's like I'm gonna drive around and just do anything, and it's just like boring at a certain point. You have no one to tell it to. It doesn't matter anymore. Kill yourself later. Yeah. Yeah, but you'd have fun for a bit at least. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta like destroy everything and. Yeah, I don't know. Is there like everything? Yeah, like, is there like freezers that are still working? Like, oh sure. Just go find some food and eat it. <laughs> I go for a swim. Yeah. Go mm-hmm. go clothes shopping. Yeah, my answer holds. So I would end it all. <laughs> <laughs> just like smash a bunch yeah. of stuff. Maybe I break, like, break some windows. Just like throw sure. bricks oh. through windows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. That's all we've got for you. Thanks so much for coming out. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. for having Thank us. You. Yeah, that was appreciated. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your tour and uh, whatever comes your way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now let's take a listen to King of John Street off of their new album, Meet You. The shadow of the sea and
Cups and Cakes Presents is produced by Jeff McCallum. The featured track was played with permission from Century Palm. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Artist Studio is the second podcast from Cups and Cakes. To hear their original and learn more about Cups and Cakes, go to www.cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.